Hi, I'm Steve Barlow. This is the Humanised Workforce Future You podcast series, where we ask people from all walks of life to talk about their perception of the future and their role in a rapidly changing work and life environment. Hi, I'm Craig Saffin. Day by day, we are all learning to live with the impact technology, AI, and changing health and social conditions have on our lives. Mostly, it is presented as scary and a loss of opportunities. The Humanised Workforce Future You podcast series thinks the future is bright and something to look forward to. Let's see what today's guest thinks. Today we've got as our guest Babette Bensusson. And Babette has had a corporate background in companies like Levi Strauss and Apple Computers. But then she moved into her own consulting business in the area of strategy and competition. And she's progressed that and authored or co-authored seven different books on the topic. And she's an adjunct professor at the university in Sydney. And she's trained as a counsellor and leadership and business coach. So she's got a lot of experience and a lot of background. Let's listen to what Babette's got to say to us today. I'm Steve Barlow and we're joined today by Craig Saffin. How are you, Craig? Hi, Steve. Good morning. And we've also got today our guest, Babette Bansusan. And interestingly enough, it's good to have you here, Babette. So welcome to our little podcast. Babette and I have got an interesting uh, connection because, well, gosh, a long time ago, more than 45 years ago, I was at university, Macquarie University, studying French. And I had this wonderful teacher, Monsieur Bansusan. And uh, he was one of my favorite teachers of French when I was there. And it turns out that Babette is his daughter. So we caught up a couple of years ago now at a conference and I said, oh, that's an interesting last name, Babette. Uh, (laughs) I wonder if you're related to a man that I used to know. And sure enough, that was the case. So that's a little bit of an aside. But, Babette, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and your background, what you do? Sure. Okay. So... I've had a career in the corporate arena. I worked for companies like Apple Computers, Levi Strauss, and then I started my own consulting firm in the area of strategy and competition. I've co-authored seven books that are sold in universities around the world, translated in multiple languages. I'm an adjunct professor at the University of Technology in Sydney. And after a couple of years, I got a bit bored Uh, did a postgrad degree in counselling, decided I didn't want to be a counsellor, and then I did my certification to become a coach. So now I'm a life leadership and business coach. But my key, key passion is around decision-making. How can we all make better decisions? And that I've had from the corporate world and that I've had in competition and strategy and that I help people nowadays make better decisions in their lives why, and choosing why, where they want to go. Why are you passionate about decision-making? That's a fascinating area to be uh, focused on. Why, why are you passionate about that? I, I love it. It's because of the, Craig, it's because of the biases we bring to decision-making. So often we have voices that say you can't do this or we have, all of us have what I call the gales and the gales are the gremlins in our head that says you're not good enough or you can't do this or who do you think you are or you might fail, (gasps) how dare you? Or we have uh, assumptions that we make about the world and how we should act in it. We have interpretations. So let's say someone walks past you and 
doesn't say hello or and you go, oh, my God, what have I done? I've upset them. No, they've got another problem. It's not about you. Or we have what's called limiting beliefs about our own capabilities. And these get in our way of achieving what we want to achieve. And I think that's a sad thing when we have such great human potential to do some extraordinary things. And we're seeing it a bit more with companies here, young entrepreneurs, innovation. I'm gobsmacked at the innovation we have that's coming out of our entrepreneurs and young innovators. Um, I do uh, entrepreneur judging, you know, up here on the Sunshine Coast. I do it for the University of Technology where I help young people with entrepreneurial ideas. I do it uh, for other organisations. And the innovation, the way people think of new ideas, and you know, it's endless. Mm. It really is. Do Sorry, I'm rant- rambling. No, no, that's, uh, well, people who are passionate about things, uh, that's their uh, privilege, isn't it, to talk about yeah. that, and, I, and we love hearing about it. So do you find anything different in the decision-making, and I want to put honesty in with that, uh, for young entrepreneurs compared with more experienced business people and leaders in the community? The one key, key difference, and I think... It's what my father used to say. It comes with age. Young people, I can't tell you how many times I have entrepreneurs say they have no competitors. Mm. I mean, really? You you think you've got no competitors? Yeah. Really? Got barrier um, barrier to entry, isn't it? So yeah. yeah. yeah and they right. don't they don't think through where uh, their product is. You know, investors want their money back. That's the cold, hard reality of life. So what are you doing to show that you can compete? And that's what a lot of young entrepreneurs don't think about. They're so passionate, impassioned with their own product, their own idea. They don't look at how they're going to attack or resist or work through competitors Mm. or competitive influences. So I often see nothing happens to us, happens to us in a vacuum. Mm. There are always signals. Idea Spies is wonderful Mm. because it gives us highlights of things that are happening that haven't yet gone to the full market. Mm. It gives us innovative ideas. And there's quite a number. There's Trend Hunters, Springwise, Idea Spies. All of these things identify things mm. that are going to that are coming down the pipeline. Mm. So when someone says, "Oh, we didn't see Uber coming," or <laughs> "We didn't see Airbnb coming," or mm. "We didn't see Dutch Brothers, who are now competing against Starbucks, coming," or Orange, who do the laundry service, or, or all the different charities. I mean, hello, they didn't come. One day they didn't exist, and next day they had 2,000 employees. Mm, right. It doesn't. So where were people looking to what was happening in their environment? And that is, I think, the biggest issue for me in decision-making mm. is that people don't understand the environment. Mm. Um, a lot of executives are like ostriches. They have their head in the sand. Yeah. Or they're like dinosaurs, yeah. you know? have no idea that an asteroid's coming yeah. and just keep eating, you know, doing whatever, and the next minute they're all wiped out. So right. 
I think it's important for me in decision-making to understand where are you working and where are you living. Yeah. Yeah, I think that ostrich piece is interesting. Uh, I, th- I always thought that a uh, share buyback was about uh, that ostrich bit uh, got all this money and I don't know what to do with it sort of thing. Yeah. Hey, um, hey, one thing I want to ask you is uh, with all these trends and the ideas buys and, that, and uh, the trending that you're seeing, what do you see for the future as far as entrepreneurs and where is that heading? What, what is that? I'm particularly interested in how technology is becoming less of the main event and more of the enabler. Do you see anything like this happening? Absolutely. I see a lot of a lot of things moving to technology. Mm. So maybe I can give you this as my best example of and why I believe there is a future for for workers and for the workforce, but we need to change. So my specialty that I did in consulting for 25 years was a field called competitive intelligence. Now competitive intelligence is about how well you can compete, how effective is your competition. And most people think of competitive intelligence as around their competitors. But you know, Craig, you've got government that impacts your competitive ability. You've got international influences. You've got technology. You've got substitutes. There are a whole lot of impacts on a business that impacts its competitive ability. So we have a lot of companies that say, software companies that are going, oh, we're building AI, we're building uh, this, fine. And the problem is that's great, but all it does is it sorts the data. It doesn't tell the story that relates to the data. And that only humans can do. So, for example, you might get an executive that says, should I enter this market and will I achieve a profit of 18% in three years? So you tell me what AI system, what competitive system will tell you the answer to that. Only the human mind at this stage and for the next 20 to 30 years will be able to do this. Mm. So even though you've got... Uh, Elon Musk, who's developed a robot that looks like us now, that's got all this kind of stuff, it's still only programmed zeros and one. doesn't make innovative leaps. Mm. It doesn't see through to tell stories. Mm. So it can tell a story. Yeah, it can read a book. Not a problem. It's called audio books. We've already got that. So you put it in the room. But to analyse whether you should do this, or whether you should go into that company or whether that product will work or what are the factors that are impacting, you'll get the data, but there is no, no one can say, so what does this mean for my business? Mm. So bring, your, bring the human element with the technology. It's a, the hand-in-hand piece, yeah. Yeah, I don't think, you know, at this stage, I don't think in the next two to five years, it ain't going to happen. Mm. You're just changing uh, tack a little bit. You're working uh, as a coach. So what are you noticing in the change and the requirements for leaders these days and what, what are the skills that leaders need to develop uh, to position them for themselves for the future? That's such a, a, a great question <laughs> and it's got a huge answer. Mm. Craig, number one, for, for, for people, what I've noticed 
more and more people really do need to sit down with either a coach or a mentor. So much is happening in their lives that it's very hard. I think the generations have got a lot of things coming at them from social media. Mm. And one of the key things they're not learning from social media is discrimination and boundaries. These are the two big things that we as humans need, which is the discrimination, the ability to discriminate, and the ability to set our boundaries. You need someone to help you identify how do you discriminate between false information or fake information and misinformation and reality. Mm. How do you set your boundaries so that you're not overwhelmed with the social media? So for me, these are the things that we as individuals are all going to need and I'm seeing it growing more and more. I think for leaders, the interesting thing is they're going to have the key skill is to focus externally. I think far too many leaders focus internally. And, and they need both. So let me say this. They need both. One, they're going to need to know how to manage and work with the mental health sure. of their workers, how to discriminate and boundaries. And I think that's going to happen by being outsourced to a mentor or a coach. But the other thing I think leaders need to have a skill is to understand themselves mm. and to understand their competitive environment, but both. And this is where the decision-making comes in, Craig. Right. Let me, when I say understand themselves, they have about to understand. Limitations or are you talking about yeah, they have to skills course competencies? Yeah. Mm. They have to understand wh where they lack skills, what they can do, and it means self-reflection. Mm. And I don't think it's a strong point of a lot of male leaders today, mm. the self-reflection part. Particularly male? Yes. Mm. Sorry. No, no, <laughs> I, really no, do. no I just apologise. I'm just, uh, but particularly male. You think the female leaders are better at self-reflection? Yes. Mm. I, I, I do. Um, I think they're more, um, look, you'll always get some bad female leaders and you'll always get some, Sure. Good male leaders. Don't deny that. But I think when it comes, I think women are much better at emotional uh, understanding and self-reflection in a lot of cases. Maybe that's also the thing that's been documented that's held them back from advancing in careers and things as well by the self-doubt that comes and stuff. Could be. It's You know, some people call it the imposter syndrome. Mm, right. Um, I call it the superwoman syndrome, <laughs> wanting to do everything perfectly. Yeah, yeah I think, right. yeah, you're raising a, a whole lot of philosophical questions. Yeah, that's, a, questions that's a, quite, quite a big gamut, isn't it? Like you've got the, the internal uh, empath em empathy piece. Uh, Steve will summarise this a bit better than me uh, later, but the internal empathy piece, you've got the self-reflection and you've got the external competitive piece. That's yes. quite a lot to cover, isn't it? It is. Uh, <laughs> What about what about uh, young people entering um, entering into the workforce now? You've clearly had a lot of uh, uh, work with entrepreneurs and also leaders. But what about young people who are coming out of universities? Because you're also an, uh, an adjunct professor. So, what what is the advice you give to young people who are entering 
the workforce after they graduating from universities or any other tertiary institute? I always ask. So first of all, I want to say I'm in awe of the young people. Mm. I think their fight for authenticity for the planet, uh, I sit back in awe at their honesty, their integrity in a lot of people, young people particularly, and their energy to innovate. But if I had to say to young people, and I, I do this with my clients, where do you want to be five years from now and how are you going to create it? I am a firm belief believer that we create our own reality. And Steve, as a coach, you would know that as well. We create our own realities. So if you want to be X, Y, Z, what are you doing? What are the steps that need to happen for you to be and achieve X, Y, Z? If you want to create a commune, if you want to create a company, if you want to do this, what are the steps you need to put in place to make that happen? I always think of Walt Disney who said, uh, if you've got a dream, do it. You know, Nike, just do it. You know? follow, your, follow your passion. Yeah. And, and the step-by-step the -step piece is very interesting. Steve, do you want to um, jump in there? Yeah, okay. Well, I can just maybe sum up at least uh, some of these things that came across to me, uh, Babette, uh, in your talk. I think I would summarise your talk as, as about making better decisions yes. and uh, the importance of those decisions. And two aspects of that came across to me. Firstly, the importance of getting information. You've got to base decisions on good information, and that means being aware of the environment, taking notice of what's going on around you, um, telling stories that help to unpack that and what it actually means for people, Mm -hmm. and understanding where you want to go in your life and what you actually want to do and think about how you're going to get there. So getting information about all these things is important. And the other side of it is removing blockages, um, the things that can stop you. And you talked about these, the, five, the four things, Gail. Yeah. I won't go into them now. Yeah. You talked about blind areas that we've got of uh, not understanding the competition and things that we can't see about ourselves and where we yes. need to grow and of, of, of sort of working on ourselves. And bringing these things together, when we work on these things, we've got a better chance of making better decisions. And who doesn't want to make a better decision? That's right. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Babette, thank you very much. Yeah, it's a fantastic insights. So I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thanks thank a you lot for having Babette. me. Thanks for being part of the podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Humanize Workforce Future You. Please leave a rating or review for the series on the medium where you source your podcast. The transcripts for today's podcast can be found on craigsaffin.com. That's C-R-A-I-G-S-A-P-H-I-N.com. Please subscribe to the series so you don't miss out on the interviews for future guests.